This week we talk about justice. Um, do you know that justice is one of the most um, talked about themes throughout scripture? God cares deeply about justice. And I, I keep thinking about, um, I told a few, uh, Matt and his dad and Jamie this morning, um, the last couple weeks of my, my Monday through Friday job as a therapist have been really hard. I've, I've heard horrific accounts of um, violent crime that, have, you know, that some of my patients have endured and lived through. And, and I felt, as a therapist sometimes, you know, I, you're not prepared for the stories that people tell you and the, the rage and the sadness and grief that comes up in me. And I, I keep thinking, God, you, you are a God of justice. You care deeply for making things right, and there's so much wrong in our world. But that also points me to that there has to be goodness. There has to be justice for all the wrong, because otherwise it wouldn't matter. We wouldn't care so deeply about justice. We wouldn't care so deeply about making things right or, or seeing wrongs um, overturned. We wouldn't care so deeply about healing and helping people through terrible injustice. So it makes me all the more convinced that God is good and that God's just, justice is what um, is, is going to be given someday, even, even with the wrongs. Um, but yeah, so this has been a this has been a theme in my brain the last couple weeks, too. Um, and I keep thinking about it as, as the church often, um, unfortunately, the news is full of too many instances where the church has failed in the realm of justice. The church has really screwed up. I mean, last week, again, the Southern Baptist Conference came out with finally fessing up about um, sexual abuse that's happened in the church. Two weeks ago, I had a patient who was um, a child, child victim of sexual sexual abuse by a priest, and, um, and I, I just, I think that's where that rage comes up of, of as people of God, when we represent him, and then we fall so short, and then instead of letting truth come up, we cover it up and cover it up, and a, a couple weeks ago, I said, we have, we have two options, we either cover up or we tell the truth, and so if, if we are going to live congruent with, congruently in our faith, it means that we agree with God and his truth, and we also have courage to tell the truth and to do justice, love mercy, love compassion, do all the things that God says we are to do. And that will also um, improve our standing in the world as people who really um, walk, our, walk our talk and talk our walk. So the Hebrew word for tov is defined as good. God's standard is good. This word occurs over 700 times in scripture. And why is this such a big deal? It's because God is good, and his goodness is a standard. And so it's something that we should also seek to attain and seek to let our lives be more and more conformed of him so that we look like him. So as we think about a, a tov church, a, a ter- church of goodness, we think of a tov church that nurtures justice. And as if you ever do Google searches for the word justice, you all get a scales. This is pretty much the prevalent theme that, that shows up in Google Images is weights. And when, they're, when the weights are balanced, it shows that there is justice, that there is fairness, equality. But when they're off on one side or another, it shows an imbalance and a lack of justice. So here's some wordsmithing for you. Justice is equality, fairness, impartiality, goodness, neutrality, or it's a legal decision. And each of these descriptions operates according to a standard. The, the foundation of justice is a standard by which we measure what is just or right. And that was a quote from Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger in their book. And as we come to, to scripture, 
we think about some themes, and, and it was actually really wonderful as I looked through the Bible this past week of like all the different themes of, script, of justice that are found in God's word. And, and so when we read God's word and we read this, we agree with him. We say, yes, that is, that is where God says to, to shoot for. And so as a church, I hope that we continue to do that. Um, in Zechariah, the word of the Lord came to him, and, and him is, he is a prophet. His job was to speak God's truth. And so God's truth came and said, administer true justice. So it shows that there wasn't true justice happening in their society, in their culture. So administer true justice. Go back to what I say is right and true and good. Show mercy and compassion, which happens when you show justice, and give that one to one another. In verse 10 of chapter 7, do not oppress the widow or the fatherless. Look after the least of these in your society. Make sure that they are treated justly because so often in our world, you know, you think of this, that, that children and the elderly are the most vulnerable in our society. And so, well, in, and unfortunately, as, um, as sexual abuse most often happens to children because they are the most vulnerable. They, they think of adults as people in authority over them. So often they'll go along with something that isn't right or good. And so it says, show justice. Do not oppress them. Don't hurt them. The people that are alone, like widows or fatherless, who don't have anybody to support them financially or emotionally. The foreigner, the people who come into your country so vulnerable because they don't know the rules and they don't know how things are. Or the poor. And, and like Jesus said, the, the poor you're always going to have with you. And, and unfortunately, because of our world being a fallen world and, and there being systems of, of inequality and injustice, there is going to be poor but the Lord says, look after them, show compassion and mercy. And then this is such a stark, stark thing. Do not plot evil against each other. It's repeated in chapter 7 and 8. That just shows that there's, there's people, and it's hard for me to, to wrap my head around this, there's people that intentionally will make plans to harm another. And so God calls it out and says, stop it. Do not plot that. Do not make plans against each other. And then there's this stark reminder, but they refused to pay attention. They turned their backs, covered their ears. Their hearts became hard as flint, and they would not listen to the law or the words that the Lord Almighty had sent by his spirit. Just think that God's spirit is what, what imprints on us of his, his standard and his goodness, and they ignored the spirit and says, God is angry. You know, it, isn't, it is righteous anger when God says that. I hate that. That is not, that is not how I do things. And so we agree with God. And again, in, in chapter 8, as, um, as I read earlier, again, these are the things you're to do. Speak truth. Render true and sound judgment in your courts. Again, it tells us that there was, there was um, shady things happening in their court systems and that they were probably experiencing um, payments under the table. Again, do not plot evil against each other. Do not love to swear falsely. That's such a, a shocking thing, too, to hear that people there's people who love to swear falsely to lie. And God's pretty blunt. I hate this. And then he talks about their fasts. He talks about their fasts and those occasions that they would come together to, um, to, to deny themselves of food and to do that as an act of worship. But he says, if you do this, your fasts aren't just going to be fast. They're going to be joyful, glad occasions and happy festivals. And therefore, love, truth, and peace. So we have some, some just reminders of what God says and, and what God prioritizes. And as people of God, I hope that we will agree with that and we will, we will examine our hearts. We will examine maybe what things we've allowed to be okay or not okay, and we will seek to do those things. 
It's hard, though, when you look at this um, scripture in the book of Judges. It's one of those stark reminders, too, of how people will often do what they think is right. And we have in the book of Judges, this two, two times it shows up. In those days, Israel had no king, and everyone did as they saw fit. And so that is, that is when we go, um, we go rogue and we go off of God's ways and we do as we see fit and that's when we have injustice happening. We have the things that are not right, not good, and not for the benefit or the flourishing of others. So God encourages us in Micah 6, 8. I know this was one of my first verses I remember memorizing because it came with a song at Bible camp. He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you but to do justice, but to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. And so the, throughout scripture, those themes of seeking justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly with God show up again and again. And as God's people, we are to do that and agree with that as well. If we define justice according to the Bible, the Christian standard is God's revelation in his word, and his word meaning Jesus Christ and his written word. And justice can be defined as behavior that measures up to or conforms with what God has revealed to us in Christ and Scripture. And so the really, um, the really, really sad part is when, as God's people and, and, and churches have, have unfortunately been exposed for this, that they have not done that. They have not lived up to God's standard. And so we have people that are like, if that's anything what the church is like, peace out. I want nothing to do with you. And so we have a lot of ground to make up, but I, I pray and I think about New City, even though we're small, it's a group of people that I see loving God, loving each other, and not being afraid to tell the truth, and that's really beautiful. Thinking about this, there's no law in our legal system that demands love. Think about that. If you go to the courts, none of the, none of the expectations are going to be that you show love, but Christ does. Christ says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. There's no law in our legal system that requires empathy and compassion, but Christ does. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, loving one another as Christ has forgiven you. Jesus Christ embodied compassion. It says, Jesus saw the people that they were harassed and helpless, and he had compassion on them. We need to do that too. There is no law that demands grace in our legal system, but Jesus does. So Jesus, Jesus' standards for us as God's people are even higher than our legal standards because he asks us to love, be empathetic and compassionate, and show grace. So just thinking about that, because of what Christ has done for us, that means as God's people, our sense of justice will be even higher than the world's understanding of justice. And that makes me really excited because it means if we do this, we are going to look so different and we are going to smell so much better than the legal system in our world and we will look better. I remember when I was in, I think, an early youth pastor, um, these bracelets started showing up. I think I got them at like a Christian festival or whatever. It was the What Would Jesus Do bracelets? I like that one. That one's in color. Um, and it, you think about that popular phrase of what would Jesus do? And when you wore that bracelet, I know I had one, and, and I, I look at it and I would think, sometimes I, I would miss that. I'm like, dang it, I'm wearing that bracelet. I did not do what Jesus would, would do. I just yelled at my kids or I wasn't, you know, nice to my spouse or, or I lied or I, I caught myself. And so that bracelet was a tangible reminder of thinking, what would Jesus do? 
And Jesus said in Matthew 5, chapter 20, I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. That points to God's standard, Jesus' standard, being higher than anything that the Pharisees and the teachers of the law could drum up. So a couple of things to be thinking about this morning. Next slide. In other words, Jesus is calling us to behave in ways that measure up to and conform with his teachings and not necessarily the teachings of the world. You know, much of our court and legal system, we do get from biblical teaching. We get from biblical standards. You know, the Ten Commandments is a great example of that. There's some, there's some high points. Don't lie. Don't covet. Well, people still think it's okay to do that. Don't kill. Don't steal. Honor your parents. Well, that's not in our legal system, but it should be. Um, and so this, this word that Jesus uses in righteousness is this Greek word, and I can't say it, dikaiosuni? Does that sound good? Sure. I spent a lot of time pondering how to say that word this week. But the word that Jesus uses for righteousness here is this word, which is also for justice. And so Jesus saying that is very important of our understanding that righteousness and justice go hand in hand together, and righteousness points us to goodness. And so when we embody a culture of goodness within our church that comes from Jesus' righteousness, we will also have a culture that aims for justice. That gets me really excited about how we intentionally live into that, um, that truth, what our church will look like, and, and how the world will see us. Next one. Thinking about this also in Ephesians, it's by grace you've been saved through faith, and this is not for yourselves. It is the gift of God. You can't do it by work so that no one can boast. For you are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. When we live into that, it means also that we are going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit to do the right thing. You know, just thinking about that God has placed in you, you know, we, I did build a dad or build a mom or build a kid. God has made you according to his ways. And so that when you live according to his ways, you are going to be empowered to do the right thing. You are going to be empowered to show his goodness to our world. You're going to be empowered to show up and to do justice, to love mercy, to show compassion. And people are going to wonder why you do what you do. And hopefully you get an opportunity to point to him. As a church, when we engage in acts of justice, when we bravely and courageously tell the truth, it's also going to be agreeing with that, that goodness in God and also that marching order of being embodied to do what he's called us to do. And it's to do the right thing. And the right thing is hard. And, and I think of the, my heart grieves when I think about how um, one of my patients two weeks ago, he was a, a victim of his, his priest abusing him. And the, the damage that was done to countless children and how it got covered up and covered up and covered up to protect the institution of the church, which actually did so much more damage and also was just covering up evil and not calling it what it was. And so you think about when we live in the circle of Tov, in that circle of God's goodness, um, I have an image for you from the book. First of all, we nurture habits of goodness by nurturing empathy, which resists the narcissist culture that says it's all about me and we, we think about others. We nurture grace and we resist a fear of a fear culture. We lean into God's grace and his goodness. We put people first, which means we resist institution creep. We remember that the church is a body people, not a building. 
We tell the truth. We resist false narratives. We had talked about that Sunday of knowing Yom Kippur, which means that we come together every week. That's why we do confession every week. We tell the truth about who we are, that, that we are sinful, and that we fall short of God's standard, and we are so desperately in need of his forgiveness. That truth-telling culture really goes with the justice culture. We resist the loyalty culture. And the really sad thing is that in, in so many, count, you know, this book that I read, Actually, if you, if you forget about the hope that we have and that God is in the, in the business of restoration, you read of too many counts of abuse happening in churches where it gets covered up because of the loyalty to the pastor or to the church or to how, how we can keep the church looking good. And then it makes the church look even more rotten and terrible and sinful. And so if we bravely tell the truth, we, may, we make sure that we enact justice for the one who has been wounded, the one who has been hurt. We come to their, their, their side um, there's too many, too many accounts of people not being believed. And I'll tell you what, people don't usually make stuff like that up. And so we have to tell the truth, and we come alongside victims, and we call it what it is. And so when we resist that loyalty culture, we also are loyal to Christ and, and loyal to people, and we put that people first part in there. And that comes to the next point of just practicing justice and telling the truth requires courage. And I hope, New City, that you keep doing that, practicing truth and also knowing that it takes courage. It, it means in a justice culture, too, like um, our children's workers, we make sure that our children's workers have background checks. We make sure that, um, that, um, that we resist doing an all-call to the church. Anybody want to help with children? No, we make sure that, that people who are helping our children are safe people because we care for our children, we value them, we treasure them. We also make sure that if somebody does something that is wrong, let's say, and like um, as a pastor in my ordination vows, if, if I do something that, that goes against um, the vows that I've taken and, and my ethical standards, I need to be called for that. And so we practice accountability. It takes courage because oftentimes we're more worried about how things look than how it really is and about making sure we do the right thing. So a couple things. When we recognize in, injustice... We are being person-centered. We are saying people and making sure that we do the right thing for them and to them and by them is prioritized. When there is injustice, we recognize the fallout and press on, which has not been the case, which then the media loves that because they have all kinds of things to talk about. And then the, the fallout's bigger. You tell stories about doing the right thing. And, and um, this quote about Martin Niemöller was in the book. And I, I forgot about this guy. But Martin Niemöller was really controversial because he was a pastor contemporary to um, uh, during World War II when the Nazis came into power in Germany. And he at first was a nationalist pastor. He was, he was trying to toe the line with the government and keep their church open and, and, and do all the right things. Um, but he realized as he did not stand for the right thing, this is what happened. He talks about this in his book. When the Nazis came for the communists, I did not speak out. I was not a communist. When they came for the trade unionists, I did not speak out. I was not a trade unionist. When they came for the Jews, I did not speak out. I was not a Jew. But when the Nazis came for me, there was no one left to speak out. You think about how it, it really matters when we go on the side of righteousness and justice. It is going to take courage. But we recognize that you know, if, you, if you know of something or see of something and, and you do nothing, you're like, not me, not my problem, you are not acting in a way of justice at all. 
And you think about the, um, the difference of people who did speak out, who did act out, who did try to do the right thing, and yes, they risked their lives, but you think of the benefits and, and, the, and the wonderment that we have because we have people who stood for courage. We think about Tov, a couple things just to be reminded of. Tov is God's executive virtue for how he wants us to live, that his standard of goodness, God alone is Tov. God's design is Tov. Tov is active. Tov resists evil. God's ultimate approval is Tov. God's ultimate approval is good. Tov, goodness, is the gospel. Remember, gospel means good news. And Jesus is Tov. Our standard is, is Jesus. Coming back to that, um, that, that question of what would Jesus do, I hope that as we behave in ways and make decisions individually and as a church community that we line up with Jesus and we practice justice and we stand out from the world's ways. So just think about that. As you make intentional decisions about lining up with what God says, it means you also have to read his word to know, like in Zechariah, it says it over and over and over. Show justice. Show compassion. Don't plot evil. Speak the truth. Stand up for children and and the fatherless and the poor. So keep reading God's word so that you remember and know what God says. And then pray about this. Seek to do that individually and as you represent New City. And get excited about what is God, God is going to do when we as a body do that. Let's pray together. Oh, Father, we thank you so much for who you are, that you are good. Thank you, God, that your standard is is really our litmus of how we are supposed to live and, and how to be and what to do. Oh God, I, I just pray for forgiveness, for, for how the church um, has not done that. God, for how many people that um, bear scars emotionally, mentally, and physically because of, um, of pain and injustice done to them that has um, been happening for far too long. Oh God, I pray for Um, turned hearts and hearts that would not be attracted to how things look or or God of repressing truth, but Lord, that we would be truth tellers and justice seekers. I pray for people who have been wounded by the church, and God, I pray that through the hands and feet of people that truly love you and embody your goodness, that restoration can happen. Help New City to be a place where that happens. Thank you so much, Jesus, for this day and for your word, which is true and changes us. Amen.